Hebs, Hebs are falling apart again. Quite enjoying these Friday night football, Callum. Uh, another team from Edinburgh come up five goals and safely dispatched three points in the bag. Happy weekend. Well, I wasn't expecting you to start uh, with like, like that, but um, no, Friday Night Football, thoroughly enjoyable. I, I quite like it. It was a very good atmosphere um, from the Red Shed and even the South Stand singing a bit. And then you've got the rest of your weekend to enjoy yourself after a 4-1 pump of hips. What's not to love? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to go into this or not, but, you know, going into the game on Friday, I was <clears throat> feeling pretty low, pretty down, just a, a lot of things going on um, in my head and that. And, you know, this podcast has been something that's been good for me, a, a welcome distraction. And I was in two minds about actually going to Pataudry and I, I'm really glad I did. And I'm really glad that we've got this to, to speak about and um, go over a win because God knows how I'd have been feeling if uh, we'd, we'd been speaking of a, a defeat. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good to have this. And, you know, if anyone is struggling, um, you know, our messages are all, always open as well. So um, always look for, for somebody to chat to as well. Absolutely. I think a good message uh, to start off with, but uh, I'm glad you managed to make it along and uh, got a little bit of distract- distraction. What's going to pick up the mood better than um, four goals? I'm waiting Clarkson back here, so I'm glad. But yeah, messages are always open, whether it's the podcast page on Instagram, Twitter or ours separately too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think when you say four goals, Callum, we're going to obviously get into the game, but I, I still don't know how we scored four and only conceded one either. Baffling night at Pataudry. No, not a clue. I mean, I spoke to you and Michael after the game and I said, I've no idea how we scored four there. And then you're like, oh, I've no idea how we only conceded one. I was like, I wasn't that bad. And then I looked at the match stats and I was like, oh, it was quite bad. But I suppose it's quite deceiving because a lot of them were from sort of outside the box and flew over the bar. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, especially, I mean, going in at halftime 1-0, I was very surprised. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. And somehow we, we benefited. Yeah, I think Willie Miller said on the on the radio last night as well, it was just Aberdeen proving more clinical in front of goal. You know, even the possession stats were, I think we only had 38% of the possession. I know Dave, Dave likes to dive into them, but... Um, just shows that it doesn't matter how much of the ball you have, it's what you do with it. And ultimately, we were more clinical. We'll, we'll, I suppose we'll come on to the, the VAR decision of the, the first half as well. But what did you make of that that first half in particular, Callum? Because Aberdeen went with um, a very much similar team that lined up Ibrox, Hayden Coulson coming in for Jack McKenzie and what looked to be the only change. But things didn't really click for us in that first half, I felt. No, I, uh, it, it wasn't good viewing at all and um, it was quite boring we didn't create much at all and um, other than maybe the duke chance i suppose and um, i don't know I, f- I felt we struggled really to hold on to the ball to start with and then when mm-hmm. we had the ball to do anything with it often playing out from the back when we're all camped in our own half and found it very very difficult and then i think they did make changes at half time but it it wasn't pretty and i thought oh no here we go again uh it's going to be a similar result to easter road but Thankfully, mm. not the case. I wasn't impressed, and thankfully, uh, it, 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 it was changed at halftime, despite Jim Goodwin not actually being able to be there, but uh, set up some Zoom calls or something, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting because he's not supposed to be there, but he said he was there on, on Red TV, so I don't know if he's just getting himself into more trouble, but I also was a big fan of the, the loophole that he used um, 
to avoid his touchline ban by just sitting in the first row behind the dugout and just barking instructions. And um, there was one decision in particular that I, I really liked. Um, it obviously, it went against us, but I looked over to where Goodwin was sitting and he just whacks the seat next to him and you just see it like bouncing back and forth. It's like how any fan standing up at a game would just react as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all above board though, which is uh, always good to know, but... Um, clearly it didn't affect us. I was worried going into this, to be honest, uh, uh, given how the, the one previous game when he wasn't on the touchline went. But thankfully, uh, that, that didn't happen again because I don't think uh, Pataudi would be in a very pleasant place had it been a similar scoreline. No, because you're right. The atmosphere last night, obviously aided by the fact that we were winning, especially in the second half. But even throughout the first half, um, I thought the Red Shed in particular was in fine voice. As, as I said to you this morning, I couldn't really hear what the South Stand was like during that first half. But Hibbs, you know, fair play, brought up a strong travelling support as well. And they looked noisy, colourful as well with the pyro going off in the first half. I suppose they didn't have anything else to use the pyro for. But, you know, Friday nights do generate a good atmosphere. And to be honest, we've got a better record on Friday night than we do Saturday evening. So I, I hope we'd bin those Saturday evening ideas. Oh, wait, next week. Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. I, although, you know, we might change our mind a bit and all that how next week goes. But yeah, true. Um, absolutely enjoyed it. I think I felt I, I really enjoyed it because it was at home. Had we had to go to Glasgow yeah. or somewhere on a Friday night, maybe not given, you know, the, the troubles that would cause people trying to get down off work and things like that as well. Um, but no, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, it just gets gets the game out of the way, starts your weekend off right when it's a win like that, and um, just got the rest of the time to enjoy yourself. Quite quite a fan of uh, uh, night games, especially you know Friday night. Get it get it going. Uh, more yeah. of that, please, Dave. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, now we get to fully enjoy our weekend recording this on a Saturday morning. What a fine change! Both can enjoy our weekends, and you can enjoy this episode late Sunday night or early Monday on your commute to work. But Calm, I suppose I said it was really kind of an uneventful, largely first half with Hibbs creating the the odd chance and maybe trying to walk the ball into the net than maybe the more clinical nature that we showed. And you're right, that Duke chance in the first half that ended up bouncing off him for a goal kick after some some good work uh, in the build up. But the game really sparked into life and really kind of changed. Um, I think it's safe to say on the decision f- that was awarded by VAR, its first use at Pataudry, to award the Dons a penalty after what can only be described as an unbelievably long wait. I remember saying to Stu, so the board went up for half time at quarter past eight and it was two minutes indicated. The half time whistle blew 10 minutes later. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. It took. For forever, absolutely forever, and obviously, of course, at least they got the right decision in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll maybe. maybe get into that. But the, the yeah. time it took, first of all, to check if it was offside or onside, then for the penalty, and then they decided, oh, after another couple of minutes, you've got to go over and check that, and then obviously the, the retake, which was actually the right call, to be fair. But oh, what it took an absolute lifetime, and I didn't enjoy it at all. It went in like four stages before we actually got the goal. Yeah, and as well, we, we kind of discussed this previously about what it would be like for a VAR check being in progress at Pataudry. How would it be communicated? I, I remember looking over to the screens in the side of the main stand and I couldn't see anything to indicate that VAR was in progress. And 
well, I think this says more about the Tannoy system up Tawdry, but it was so faint, I could hardly hear John Mellis indicating that there was a VAR check in progress. Again, even after the retake is scored, when there was a VAR check for possible red car defence uh, as well, it just seemed just so tedious. Both decisions that um, ultimately landed in goals, the penalty, the Hibs goal, I, I tweeted out last night, getting to those decisions just seemed to take far too long. And obviously, if it's here to stay in Scottish football, we need to look at a way of speeding that up because it's taking away that initial moment, that that joy. I remember saying to Stu last night as well that, you know, if we score, we've almost got to be like, oh, wait, can we properly celebrate? Um, you saw that with the, the Hibs fans at their goal as well. But it's just, just going to be one of those things we've got to get used to, isn't it, Callum? Absolutely. I mean, once... They decide it's onside. They should just put it straight to the referee's monitor in the ground afterwards mm. because I feel like that would really speed up the process rather than whoever's checking it. I can't remember who it was last night. Taking forever to decide is it worth him going and looking at the monitor. Just mm. It's onside. It's a potential penalty. Go and have a look for yourself. And it cuts out a, a, probably a, a good minute or two uh, of, of the faff. But, oh, it was a nightmare. And for the Hibs goal as well, total disaster. I don't know how it took that long to see that Jaden Richardson was playing them all inside, but absolute palaver. Thankfully, however, and um, you know when it when it was David Marshall off the line, they checked that, which was pleasing, even though the length of time still wasn't great yeah. either. Uh, but it's just ironic. The one time David Marshall didn't check to see if he'd stay on his line, and and if it was done, he hadn't, and it was to be retaken. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, on the penalty decision itself, then, um, I think this is the first time I've seen a penalty awarded. Um, in favour of Aberdeen and have Aberdeen fans tweeting me or the page anyway saying that it was never a penalty we'd be raging if it's the other way I mean certainly from my view uh, the back of the red shed your view maybe in section S Stonewaller at the time I thought at the time yeah but the amount of times I've seen it slowed down maybe changing my mind but I suppose in real time that's when you've got to consider it it looked Stonewall and there is contact whether that's made by Duke or or Marshall in the first place, I don't know. Mm. And but I, I, very soft. It had been at the other end, and yeah, we probably would have been raging. However, yeah. uh, what goes around comes around. I think that's only just this after Easter Road, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I liked um, how that was uh, Johnny Main's um, barometer, as he said. If we'd be raging um, at the decision going against us, it was why um, it, his comments were of that nature about the the penalty award. But uh, you're right, um, karma. It's it's fine. It's nice to for us to get that decision in the end. But I just wonder with the kind of you know outcry around this decision, there was a lot of comments after the Rangers game, the way Duke went down um in the box, obviously, which led to Connor Barron going um on and scoring. And then there was an incident in the second half, I don't know if you remember it, where Duke was breaking towards the box and he, I almost felt he was waiting for the contact to occur um, and I think Rocky Bashiri sticks his leg out on the edge of the box but Duke goes down very theatrically and I just wonder if it's just going to come back to haunt us some of the kind of, obviously now we've got VAR to kind of help but he does kind of go down a bit dramatically I think it's safe to say I think so, yeah um, I, mean, I suppose a lot of the time if he if he stays on his feet, even though it's a, if it is a foul, he probably wouldn't mm. get it. But at the same time, it is very dramatic. Uh, 
at times. I mean, there was one, there was one in the Hearts game as well, which I thought at the time Stonewall. I haven't seen it back. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. When they attack the Dick Donalds, but um, yeah, it maybe is something. But at the same time, that's what you need to do to get the, the, the fouls off the referees and other teams' players do it um, as well. Then I, I'm okay with it. I'm no doubt at some point it'll come back to bite him, and he'll probably get a booking for diving, probably on mm. several occasions. But yeah. mention Rocky Bashiri there, by the way. I couldn't believe how good he was at times last night. Where, where did that come from? What about um, what about Anthony Stewart? What did you make of his performance? Because uh, Johnny Main was quick to to message me last night saying, uh, after obviously our game of battleships on last week's show. Um, when I said Anthony Stewart was a, a hit, what did you make of his performance? Because I thought he was solid enough in the air, but maybe a bit ropey again with the ball at his feet. Yeah, exactly that. I think that tends to be the case with him. I think we're just going to have to get used to it because he defends the box unbelievably mm. well. Ball's in the air, he's almost guaranteed to win it. And he's, he's got some great upper body strength and things like that. But yeah, it's not even if he's trying to play out from the back most of the time. It's just... When, when the ball goes through and he goes to cut it out, what he's going to do with it, you never know. Sometimes he should play it back to the goalkeeper and it'll be easy, it'll be straightforward. Sometimes he cocks it up like we saw against Hearts. And then, so he, he, he didn't do that on one occasion against Hibs, I remember in particular. But then also sometimes he tries to control it and it goes out for a throw-in and I'd just much rather he just boot it into the stand and, and just deal with it there and then so we can get set up. Having said that, how we deal with some throw-ins occasionally... <laughs> Maybe not the best, but um, no. With the ball at his feet, not not good. But penalty box defender, pretty good. So yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, but um, I look more foolish calling Leighton Clarkson a miss after his performance last night. But um, we will stick to the defence just now. We'll come on to Leighton Clarkson in a minute. I think overall last night, despite looking like we could concede at any moment in the first half, I think the defence. Did a decent job overall last night. I thought the, the centre-backs dealt with, certainly as, as we just discussed there, the aerial threat coming into the box relatively well. Jaden Richardson probably had his best game all round yeah. for us, both defensively and going forward. Um, and even Kel Rose as well. Um, you know, I thought he was you know quite commanding of his box. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of times where I thought he'd be better off capturing the ball. But I really like his no-nonsense attitude just towards just, I'm just going to clear everything and anyone out and just punch that ball to anywhere. Just just no-nonsense goalkeeping. It's quite refreshing to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, other than for Jaden Richardson playing the guy on side for their goal, yeah. I think it was unfortunate, to be fair. But I did think he actually performed pretty well um, and, and not just at, at going forward. Yeah, defensively, he looked a little bit better too, which is encouraging, but... Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to hold my breath. Hopefully it does carry on, though. And, and on Kelleros, I mean, you know, Hibs had a lot of chances from outside of the area. and But Kelleros did deal with those well when they came, if they didn't go flying over the bar. And also, I do agree in terms of um, commanding his area as well. Far, far, far mm -hmm. better. Um, sometimes, yeah, I do agree he, he could catch ball. There was one where the header was straight at him and he sort of did a one for the cameras and tipped it over the yeah. bar. But, Mm -hmm. at the same time still didn't mind it at least he dealt with it rather than perhaps trying to catch it fumbling it and yeah he, he, he loves a good punch but the good thing is he's not flapping at it makes good connection mm -hmm. with the fist and, um, and and gets it clear so it's certainly encouraging signs sort of 
all round. We couldn't really pick out too many issues with the game last night, which is pretty good. I know, yeah. Um, I suppose, like you said, it's only just the, the VAR issue, really, and how long how long it took. But um, how important was that for us to to go in 1-0 up? And because you kind of felt through that first half, you know, we've just said there kind of no really issues to kind of complain about. But is that maybe just because we're speaking now on the back of winning 4-1? Yeah. Because <laughs> there were definitely grumblings um, from the crowd in, in that first half. You know, some of the play, you know, loose balls, as you said, we were struggling in possession. And there was a couple of moments where we kind of passed the ball out of play stupidly or, or lost yeah. the ball cheaply. It was met with booze. And the other thing that I don't know why we decided to start last night was this, like, taking the goal kick short and keeping the ball in our six-yard box. Some of the play between Ross, Scales, Coulson and, and, and Stewart, respectively, was very nerve-wracking to watch at times in that first half. Yeah, I I do. I suppose I what you said is maybe individually there was no real complaints mm. uh, for the players. In in the first half, we were poor. And yeah, we were penned back, still trying to play out from the back when Hibs were pressing high, trying to prevent that exact thing, um, which we didn't really counteract very well. And there was a few scary moments. I didn't enjoy the goalkeeper tapping it to, to Stuart or vice versa. Not at all. Um, no. And there was a couple of times I was thinking, just stop fanning about, get the defence up the park and hope that Duke or Miofsky can, can get on the end of the goal kick or something. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't great. And I think they did change that at halftime. I think it was helped. I think um, we, we did sort of push the fullbacks higher up, which then allowed uh, our, our, the three centre-backs a little bit more space, which helped. But um, very important to get that goal, which I don't think over the basis of play was probably deserved. At, at halftime, no. I was thinking massively... I don't know how we're up 1-0. We definitely don't deserve it, but it's great that we are. And um, yeah, that was basically the case. Had it been 0-0, we couldn't have had any complaints whatsoever. Yeah, No, absolutely. And I think had it been 0-0 um, at halftime, I'd probably been delighted because we were definitely on the back foot for large spells of that first half. And to to go 1-0 up just felt like a bit of daylight robbery, especially with the, the benefit of having the retake as well. Because to be honest, for Boyan and probably the standards he set himself, the first penalty is pretty poor and he gets very lucky with a second penalty as well. There was also a VAR check again once the second penalty went in for David Marshall booting the ball off of Boyan. But I think Steve Tosh wasn't sure what he was doing on commentary on Red TV, but I definitely don't think it's intentional from Marshall that the ball makes contact with Boyan. (sighs) I don't really know what he was doing, booted toward, bar, ball towards the main stand. However, yeah. Um, yeah, to, for anything to happen because of that wouldn't have been, uh, I don't think would have been right. But the fact that the players got amongst it and um, sort of stuck up for him was was, was pleasing to see, uh, mm-hmm. to, to say the least. But um, yeah, there were so many VAR checks and over that goal. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I was beginning to lose count and just wondering what's standing, what's not. Um, but as I said, we, we took the lead, we go in a half time and you think, right, OK, let's see how we can build on it. And Boyan will be the, probably the first player this season to score in the same minute of different halves, scoring in the 53rd minute of the first half and then doubling Aberdeen's lead, being unmarked from a Leighton Clarkson corner to head nonchalantly past um, David Marshall to send the home fans wild. And for me to kind of felt like, well, we're in a very good position here. I don't know how we're now 2-0 up. Absolutely agree. I mean, um, 
Hibbs defending to start with for the corner helped us out a lot there. Boyan is free as a bird in there. But he still has to get the header on target with enough power in the right direction and absolutely did that fantastic header, it has to be said. And I've got to confess something. At halftime, I was asked, if the chance came out, would you buy Leighton Clarkson? And I said, no, I'm not sure, to be honest. I gave him as a hit in the last show. But I said, I'm not sure. The set pieces of late haven't been good. <laughs> Look what happened. God, we're really showing ourselves up here around Leighton Clarkson in the, in the last two episodes. Um, but, hey, if this is going to be how it works, where we um, yeah. slander a player and they bounce back to perform like world beaters, then I'm all for it. Yeah, fine by me. And, and to be fair, other than the set piece, I mean, we only went on to get man of the match. Thought he was pretty good, but definitely got a lot better in the, in the second half. Uh, and yeah, got got really saucy later on as well, which I enjoyed. Yeah, and I, I suppose for that goal as well, you said, you know, that the Hibs defending helps us massively. But I just like the way Bojan, like, cushioned the header. There was no, it wasn't like it thumped back into the, the net. It was... It seemed to be very delicate and just take its time to to get into the, the net. And, you know, if the atmosphere was loud enough already, it just seemed to go up another decibel. And you could, from where I was sitting as well, you could see Section S getting noisy as well to, to the away end as well. I'm sure the atmosphere, even over in the south stand, just went up another decibel as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it gave us a little bit of a cushion. Um, they started singing... Hibs are falling apart again, which obviously I joined in with. However, I was like, oh, this is far too early for this nonsense. Uh, I was a little bit worried. But thankfully, you know, they didn't come back to bite us in the bum. But no, I, I was um, I was impressed with the Section S atmosphere in the second half. Uh, not Section S, sort of South Stand as a whole. Uh, I think there's still problems with being in tandem with the Red Shed. Mm. We, had our, we had our own songs going at times, so... Uh, Enjoyed. I thought. I thought it was very impressive, and uh, they actually mentioned that on on the radio as well. That it wasn't just the Red Shed. Uh, eventually, sort of Wolf Stadium got into it, and I think the stand up for the Aberdeen later on really helped as well. Uh, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. I had a great time last night, Glenn. Honestly, oh, it, it certainly sounds it. And I, I suppose another thing as well um, that was mentioned on the radio, which I found quite interesting on, on the way home, was they they talked about the crowd. Now, I suppose you've got to caveat this slightly by the fact that the last time the two sides met at Tawdry was a Saturday 3pm kickoff versus a Friday night and also Aberdeen had been on the run of five straight defeats. Um, whereas just now, obviously, we were going into this game on an absolute pumping from Rangers, but we're in a much better position. But the difference in crowd was 9,500 to 16,500. Um, I think even at Kilmarnock at Livingston last night as well, it was over 5,000. So there's clearly an appetite for Friday night football, but... Do you think we'd have seen a similar sort of 16,000 crowd had that been Saturday? Or do you think we are seeing extra numbers given it's a Friday night as well? I think there might have been a few more off that. Um, I don't think it would have maybe reached 16,000, but probably sitting 14,000, 15,000. But the fact mm-hmm. that it was a Friday, a lot of people have other commitments on, on a Saturday. Um, whether it's playing mm-hmm. football or taking kids somewhere on a Saturday, they've, that's when usually they've got activities and things like that. I think it just frees up a lot more people. Um, to, to be able to go and I think we did see the benefit of that and to be fair um, Hibs fans as well I've not been impressed with the Edinburgh clubs um, away support up here um, much recently but you know they took 1,400 up probably helped it was a Friday night um, maybe a bit of a novelty perhaps and uh, 
Credit to them also. I'm just glad that they had a very long and hopefully miserable journey home. Um, mm. But I, I, I like the Friday night games. I think I think we did see a little bit of a boost in that case. And I also want to mention another thing they mentioned on the videos, um, the rapport sort of between the fans and, mm. and the players now. Um, I think it's obviously largely helped uh, from the Red Shed, but it seems to be like they kind of get it, which I don't think has been the case for a, a wee while now. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. There's definitely that bond, more so at, at home, it's safe to say. And, you know, I, I saw folks saying, you know, intimidating atmosphere at, at Pataudry's helping generate the amount of goals we're scoring at home this season compared to, to last season. You know, even attacking the Red Shed in, in the second half, how much of a difference that's made, I'm not too sure, but you certainly feel it in the fans, like, sitting in the red shed you know that that sense of anticipation in the second half it is to come but there is there's certainly uh, a togetherness you're absolutely right but i just wish we would see this kind of same sort of level of performance that we do at home converted when we travel and uh, which of course we do on tuesday night against livingston which we'll, we'll come on to shortly in terms of previewing but we are almost turning Pataudry into a fortress, that Motherwell game aside, that, that slight blip. But we do just need to get consistency on the road as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's a problem um, so far this season, really, and uh, and last season too. But hopefully that, that sort of thing will come. I mean, we're starting to see it come together at, at Pataudry now. And I think in part, probably this season, a lot of it had to do with how we play when we're away from mm -hmm. home as well. I think that maybe will be adapted. Uh, I think Jim Goodwin's mentioned something like that. I don't know. I can't remember. But I hope we do start as the consistency starts to build and and the team sort of continues to gel even more and things like that. I hope mm -hmm. we can start carrying that away from home uh, too. And certainly, and um, hopefully that's come together by the time the January 14th comes around because otherwise yeah. it might not be pretty. But I'm not going to get myself down about that just now. No, exactly. That's we won't we won't focus on that. But you spoke about the players now that we've signed getting it. You you look at uh, Boyamiowski and the way he seems to be interacting with the crowd. Duke seems to get it. But one player really, I think that we signed this summer that really understands it, really gets it, is Yilber Ramadani. How good was it to see that strike hit the back of the net and him go absolutely crazy towards the red shed? Oh, it was. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, and not only how mental he went, the red shed absolutely giving it back. Him doing his wee Albanian hand sign, beautiful, absolutely perfect. I'm so glad that he's finally got off the mark, and to do it in front of the red shed when you just knew he was going to go berserk was great. Mm -hmm. And then to get to celebrate a third at the fence as well for us was bloody brilliant. And <laughs> um, but no, I'm delighted for him because he, as well as you know, getting it and things like that from his interviews and things like that. Just seems like a lovely, cheeky bloke. Love him. Yeah. I'm his biggest fan. I'll follow you around the country. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know. We've not burst into song yet this episode. Uh, folk will maybe be disappointed we're nearly half an hour in. You mean since um, the very start of the episode where you burst oh, into yeah. song? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, no, but in terms of a positive Aberdeen song, um, which we, we've tended to be doing. But one somebody picked up on the the booking that, that Yilber Ramadani received in terms of celebrating the goal and why it's only the, the person that seems to 
go into the crowd first that, that ever gets booked, not everybody yeah. else. But I suppose another thing someone else said was, because it does seem that every time we score at home, that the players, especially in front of the Merkland, go into the red shed and celebrate with the fans. Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I think the rule to, to book players is, is a stupid rule. But as someone, as someone pointed out, we are going to see an accumulation of needless yellows, in a sense, for, for players that are scoring in front of the red shed, which will lead yeah. to frustrating suspensions. So I guess you can, can understand that side of things as well. Yeah, I mean, I haven't noticed many other players getting booked for doing it. So I did wonder whether it was related to the hand gesture that Ramazani did. I don't know if that's me just being stupid. I don't know whether they might view that as political or for some reason it's yeah. the SFA after all. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that would be frustrating if, if they do start totting up. It's a fucking stupid rule, though, isn't it? I think they, but they will just have to attempt to restrain themselves, which is obviously hard when you've got like, all of the red shed twor- charging towards the front and you've just scored and you're wanting to go absolutely mental. But they're going to have to just learn to leave a metre or something like that, half a metre even. Um, yeah. No, if I, it does I, I, come out, it's annoying. Oh, I mean, I'm not saying that if I was to, to bang in a goal at, in front of a vocal and passionate support like that, I wouldn't be in amongst the crowd either. It's difficult, but it, obviously people bring up these points and it's worth us discussing, we're, but we're not going to dwell on it too much. Although maybe one thing that will be getting mentioned, I'm sure the club, as much as they continue to um you know, put out the positive PR from the the red shed in terms of the vocal support. Um, I think there's been a picture circulating on social media of the the seats from from the red shed. And I wonder if um, the club will put a bit of negative PR come Monday in terms of some of the damage that's sustained. But surely by now they're just realizing that they've just got to accept that the seats are certainly past it, and these things are going to happen. I know. There's been certain talk of moving to some form of safe standing in the red shed, and I think it just highlights the sooner rather than than later in terms of that. I mean, everyone stands up anyway, so it would be as well as making it safe standing, saves replacing seats, but, I mean, the Barclays falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at uh, 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 the time, so um, I think to what move towards safe standing will increase the atmosphere and things like that as well. So mm-hmm. it would be a positive move. However, positive moves, Scottish football, they don't really go hand in hand, do they? No, no, they, they don't. And one positive that we would have loved to have, um, speaking about today, would have been a clean sheet. Um, and I thought we were going to somehow get ourselves one um, when it seemed unlikely. But VAR, uh, unfortunately, confirmed that we were going to not have a clean sheet. Um ruling that the Hibs goal stood after once again another lengthy process. Probably the only downside to last night was not getting that clean sheet for it's as we said, a defence that by and large did reasonably well. Yeah, I mean it's frustrating. Uh it's annoying that the guy's been played on side, but not an absolute calamity for once, which I think is mm-hmm. a positive to a degree. But the length of time it took as well. Once the referee was standing in the middle and it's taken more than a minute. You just, you knew it was going to be a goal. It was mm-hmm. just very, very frustrating because Hibs celebrated. Then we laughed at them for celebrating when it went to VAR. And then they would celebrate again. 
what a faff, man. Yeah, and again, just like the lines. I mean, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of the lines. That certainly the one for for us with Duke being on side of the penalty. It's so hard to see kind of how accurately they're drawing the lines. I think you know, folk have replied to me on Twitter today saying that it's the shoulder we're using, whereas in England it's like the tip of the sleeve, so which is really weird because it was the shoulder. I thought. Duke's foot was further forward than his shoulder, but I'm not going to complain too much. It just, yeah, as a, as a fan going to the game, the VAR experience is just it's just horrible. Um, I mean, I've only ever had positive experiences of it, mind you, last night and, and at Scotland games, but certainly felt when I was at Hamden for the Scotland-Israel game, they reached the decision far quicker than, yeah. than we did last night. But... Whether that's teething issues or not, I don't know. Um, but I don't trust that it'll get any better. As we say, I don't think uh, there's always bound to be some sort of teething issues. We saw it in England where the referees are mm. meant to be a lot better uh, and mm. down there. But I mean, putting this lot up here in charge of it, it's definitely going to take time for them to get the grip of it if if they ever do. Yeah, exactly. And I, I suppose the other encouraging thing that despite conceding we did look a bit nervous i think it's safe to say for a few minutes after but we weathered the storm and then put any sort of nervous energy that might be going around Pataudry firmly into the north sea with just a beautiful goal to to cap off a brilliant friday night absolutely i mean there was a little bit of nerves i was absolutely cacking it admittedly thinking Oh no, the arse is yeah. going to collapse because yeah. how many times have we seen that kind of thing happen? Uh, when they score uh, to get to get back into it with about 15 minutes to go or whatever it was by the time the end of the check. But um, thankfully, uh, that wasn't to be the case and we did get the goal which um, allowed me to enjoy myself a little bit more, a little bit more yeah. breathing room, which is ridiculous because you're still 3-1 up at home. You think, ah, we shouldn't throw this away, but it's pretty, we know it's possible. Um, and what, what an absolute load of sauce Leighton Clarkson pulled out for that goal. Goodness me. Um, just so cheeky. I, I loved it. Mm. I mean, I thought he'd cocked it up originally when he didn't just hit it and uh, when he sort of faced on with Marshall. Um, Portis didn't get there, which I mean, even more pleasing. In fact, didn't even look like he was going to play it, which is good. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. How many times you see a back heel, a player to attempt a back heel in a situation like that, and they slap it and it goes wrong, but he made the perfect connection with it and it was brilliant. Yeah, he seemed to be the calmest man in the stadium in that situation Absolutely. thing. Because as soon as he like miscontrolled that, I thought, oh fuck, like, how is he going to get this like out his feet to like regain his composure? I'm letting Clark said, no bother. I only seem to score worldy goals, just nonchalantly back heel that. And it was into like the bottom corner as well. It wasn't just into the middle of the goal. It was way, it was, like hits the side netting as well. You know, we've been doing moments of, of the game on this podcast. Admittedly, we've missed it a few times after heavy defeats. Um, was that your moment of the game last night? Nah, no. I mean, it's a close fought thing, but. I'm going to have to go with Ramadani's goal just because yeah. he's great, basically. But it, it, Clarkson is a close second because the technique he showed there, the composure was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think for well, the moment is between Ramadani and also just the atmosphere generated from the red shed throughout that, that 90 minutes. But 
I mean, you could also throw in the fact that Porteous was playing Duke onside for the penalty, should have played the ball for to stop the fourth goal. So for him to come up and have a very miserable night is equally as pleasing as well. Absolutely, along with 1,400 other Hibernians, which, which was very pleasing. They started to clear out sort of when the third goal went in and even more so in the fourth one. Um, so I'm just glad they had a miserable time whilst we yeah, thoroughly uh, enjoyed our Friday night. Yeah, I think some of their fans tried to show show more fight on the streets of Aberdeen pre-match than some of their players did uh, on the pitch in that second half, by all accounts, looking at oh, some of the videos. Oh, going on. Yeah. That was on the nose. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but, yeah, fine way to, to round off the night with that goal from Leighton Clarkson, giving us the three points that move us above Hibs into third place, two wow. points clear of the Edinburgh side with a game in hand. And, Callum, we can kind of sit back and enjoy what's to come. Uh, we welcome the chase now, I guess. I guess so. Which... I'm going to saying that, haven't I? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, as soon as you left your mouth, I knew you had fucked up. Um, <laughs> but it'll be, it's weird. It's a good position to be in. I know the game in hand is against Rangers, but it's at home, which we seem mm-hmm. quite good at. So who knows? Yeah. But good position to be in when, you know, a lot of players came in in summer uh, after pretty terrible season last season. I mean, pretty terrible is probably being kind. Uh, to be sitting in third, if we were still sitting third going into the, the World Cup break, then... Um, Pretty good spot with a semi-final to look forward to. Hopefully, a couple more good additions in January. Having a good time. It's a roller coaster of a season, week to week, but I'm having a good time for now. Yeah, and I suppose it um, kind of takes us back to um, a point that we inadvertently um, we have to admit missed from last week's show, where we were asking fans for their questions for us to discuss, and one of the points from Johnny Main. Where, where he asked us to discuss the summer signings, he also asked us to give a rating for Jim Goodwin out of 10 based on the current season. Obviously, kind of helped by the fact that we've gone in on to win the game tonight, uh, or last night, sorry, I should say. But what would you give Jim Goodwin currently um, out of 10? And has your marks changed slightly from uh, last week to this? Um, I was trying to stay composed. Had you asked me last night, I'd have said 10 out of 10 for anything. <laughs> However, um, for the reasons I, I sort of just mentioned where, you know, we're in a good spot right now. We're sitting third, got a semi-final to look forward to and a chance to recruit uh, in January after after the after the break as well. I'd give them sort of a, probably a 7 out of 10. There's still obviously room for improvement, the away form to improve on. Um one signing in particular uh, sticks out of my head that I maybe could have done better with. However, mm. um, on a whole, I'm very happy with, with where we are right now. To bring in so many players in summer, to be sitting third, with things to look forward to, and um, two games where I know one of them's away from home, but we have one in Livingston, uh, so that's a bonus. And then at home, to Dundee United, a chance to put things right as well. Um, I, I'd give a good 7 out of 10. What are you thinking? Are, are you... Are you ever the pessimist or are you uh, optimistic? Um, I was, I'm about half a mark below you. I was a six and a half. Um, I think, you know, some of the defeats that we've taken away from home this season still, still hurt. Um, especially the manner of the defeats and the way they kind of stick out and some of the, especially the game management in them, I think has left a lot to be desired. 
Defensively, we do still have work to be done, but I think, you know, he definitely deserves towards the higher end of the scale, hence going for the six and a half. I don't think he's quite achieved that kind of seven yet. Um, you know, maybe if we'd picked up a few more points on the road. Yeah, go on. If we win both games going into the break, is he a seven? Yes, he is a seven. If he, okay, yeah. that's fair. I'll take six from six to, to get him up to a, a seven um, out of ten for me. Um, you know, there's just, you know, we're a work in progress, as everyone likes to, to tell everyone this season. And we're, we're going in the right direction, but just some of the bumps have been a bit bigger than expected. So I'll taper my expectation and put a six and a half out of ten. But yeah, that, that's where I'll sit. I think that is a, that's a pretty fair review. I mean, yeah, the waveform definitely needs to improve, but good to know that you know if we do win the next two games, then um, then he'll be up to a seven. I'd take that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, we did do our um, predictions um, with with Michael um, ahead of the game on Friday night, and Michael predicted a one-one draw. I went for three-one, so missed out by by just a goal. But well done to M Rob one hundred one Red Stewart. Nick Baxter and Dad1903 on Twitter, who all correctly predicted 4 1. Um, you've won nothing but our respect and a shout out on the show. I'm just glad we remember to do one. <laughs> well done, well done. That's pretty impressive that so many of them get, got 4 1, right? So, yeah, well done. Yeah. Oh, I don't have anything else to give you, but yeah, well done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll do it again on Tuesday night to win absolutely nothing again. It's just a bit of fun. But said it's Tuesday night football. For the Dons, a trip to West Lothian to face Livingston, um, who themselves played on Friday night, Callum, and came from behind twice to win El Plastico 3-2. So I'm sure the Livy Lions are in buoyant mood. And the SFA, to try and stop the juggernaut that is Aberdeen, have employed Nick Walsh to be the man in the middle. Of course, the man who was in the middle just so recently as our trip to Ibrox. And fellow uh, Blue Nose, supposedly. Andrew Dallas is in charge of the VAR decision. But Calm, both teams obviously going into this game on the back of Friday night wins. Livingston conceding twice from set pieces. Aberdeen scoring twice from set pieces. How, how do you feel going into this game after, after Friday night's results for both sides? Upset now that I know Nick Walsh is in charge. We seem to have him every second week. But okay. I think we're in a good spot. Uh, unfortunately, Livingston quite good uh, these days, home. especially at home. Yep, yeah, quite good, and obviously picked up a win on the road. But obviously, plastic pitch again, so maybe that helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Martindale, although he looks like he shouldn't be a good manager, is actually a good manager. Um, and and they seem to have that dog in them in terms of you know mm-hmm. coming back twice uh, on Friday night. It won't be easy at all. And um, although we did win there last season, since then, not a too good a time down in Livingston. And um, so yeah, we're going to need to pull out the bag here and start with our good away form now, because otherwise, you know exactly what Livingston are like. They'll make it very difficult for us. Mm. So let's hope our players are up for fight and don't show that soft touch that we sort of mentioned in the last episode uh, as well, because they, they, they've got players to hurt us as well as being absolute dogs. Yeah, exactly. They, they've got good fight about them. You look at the way they went to Ibrox and, and held on for a large period of that game and were unfortunate to only come away with one point. And then they've shown some excellent spirit again on the road um, at Camarant to come away with a three points. So we 
I think we know every time we come up against Livingston, especially down there, we're going to come up against a spirited and determined side that are going to look to kind of derail our hopes of um, cementing that that third place and or certainly backing up what we've done. Because um, I think it's imperative that now we go into the, the break for the World Cup by really cementing third place and not you know, allowing the likes of Hebs, St Mirren, obviously we've got to give them the respect being up there as well. And the Hearts, obviously, now that they don't have European football to focus on, that glimmer of hope um, going into the game. Do you see us making any changes going into this game as well for the, the starting eleven? Given the fact that it's a plastic pitch as well, I think the Levy boys will be uh, counting how many times we use the word um, plastic pitch on, on this show. But, you know, Hayden's had his problems um, with, with injury in recent weeks. Could we see a change potentially there um, for Jack McKenzie? And I just wonder um, around Connor Barron as well, obviously still maybe managing his minutes back to back to full mm-hmm. fitness. We know that we've seen in the past players that are working their way back to fitness tend maybe to not start these games up um, yeah. on a different surface. Yeah, I think uh, that was a good avoidance of uh, the use of the word that rounds with elastic. However, (laughs) (laughs) I I think, yeah, those two changes are probably quite likely. I mean, Jack McKenzie performed fairly well, albeit not at Ibrox. And when he's been coming in for Coulson, he also came on uh, last Mm -hmm. night as well. And uh, in the middle of the park, it wouldn't surprise me if we did see Vinny, maybe. I think that'd be a bit more effect, more offensive than uh, Matty Kennedy, perhaps, who'd probably come in and play a bit more of a centre midfielder role, whereas Vinny might look to get up in support of Dukemi mm. obviously. But I think I would like to see Vinny probably come back in. Obviously, didn't feature uh, for us really last night, so that, that wouldn't be a surprise. But Alan McKenzie might be a bit more defensively solid uh, going to mm. Livingston. They've got players that. They've got players that can hurt us. I mean, Newblay, obviously, it'll be interesting to see how our centre-backs deal with him. Uh, typical Bruce Anderson to come in and score right before he plays Aberdeen. So that's great mm-hmm. stuff. And also in the middle of the park, I think that'll be a very interesting battle because, you know, like Omiog and Holt in there um, going up against mm-hmm. Ramadani, I think he'll have a tough task. And whoever's in there, presumably Clarkson and um, either Barron, Vinny or, or Kennedy, they'll have a tough ask. And, well, we'll mm. need to get up out on top of that battle because if you're playing Livingston and, and that midfield starts to run the game, they can make it very, very difficult for you. Yeah, and I, I think though we dealt with Newblay very well um, at the game at Pathology, but obviously this will be a, a different game, whereas Livingston will, will will want to impose themselves on the game. And I think, you know, certainly when they came to Pathology, obviously the, the red card, the, the penalty decisions affect things, but... So did Duke when he came on. They Livingston didn't know how to handle him. So interesting to see if they've maybe learned something from the last time. But yeah, interesting point on Bruce Anderson as well, because of course he didn't play when the two sides met earlier this season, but coming in and finishing very well into the bottom corner on Friday night, just typical that he's maybe found himself a bit of form and always likes to prove himself when um, coming up against his former side as well. So interesting because we didn't have that, you know, tall and small combination to deal with, you know, probably Newblay looking to hold up the ball and Bruce Anderson making a nuisance of himself, running off of him. Interesting to see how we cope with that because we have seen at times this season, it does seem to be more away from home that when forward players get the ball and drive our defence, we can be susceptible to conceding. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Anderson with potential to be like a modern day Sheeran Bellamy, which causes serious <laughs> problems. Um, but yeah, it is a bit of an issue and a bit of a concern. I think a lot of it will come down to our defensive shape. Obviously, at Ibrox, we got it all wrong. This is obviously a very different game. Um, mm. And even the first half against Hibs, we were so deep in our half and allowed them to come on to us um, far, far too much. Um, so hopefully that'll be corrected because yeah, they, they they can cause us problems. They are a very good team. I think they're no longer sort of this these absolute hammer throwing jobbers. Whilst they do have that <laughs> element to them, and they're also very capable of playing. And to be honest, for David Martindale and Livingston, they're looking up the table as well because yeah. realistically, right now, especially with the form of Hearts, that will obviously need to improve. But they've got a lot of injuries, things like that. There's no reason why they shouldn't be setting their sights on maybe even sneaking into that top five. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that was another point they made on the radio last night was that it was a big win for Livingston, putting themselves back into the top six, obviously, at time of recording, that that is factually correct. And it gives them a platform for the rest of the season to, to build on. And, you know, as much as we're looking at it in terms of giving ourselves an opportunity to cement third. Livingston will be looking at this, a home fixture against a team that doesn't travel well, a chance for them to, to capitalise and help their cause for later on in the season. So, you know, as much as we said Friday night's game had huge importance for both Hibs and, and Aberdeen, so does Tuesday because I, I think, Callum, I want us to, to back up these positive results. Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep having the blip and use these excuses of, oh, it's work in progress or we need to expect the bumps. No, we need to start, we really need to start seeing some form of consistency from this Aberdeen side. Absolutely. I think two positive results going into the break, one of them being away from home as well, would really sort of hammer home the point that we're back, baby, and, um, and just give us a good platform to then come back off the international break and in, in a very good position. I think it would do confidence to the world of good if we do have another blip and um, perhaps going into such a long break when you're not on the you know most consistent, best form. Obviously, you've got a lot of time to think about it. It can be de mm. detrimental. So it's important we do sort of hammer things home and ho hopefully get two positive results starting on Tuesday on, I'm sure, will be a very crisp Tuesday night in Livingston. Yeah, hopefully it's not raining and there's not um, a pitch frozen over like the shambles that we had last time <clears throat> when we played Livingston at this time of year in midweek as well. But I think I'm looking forward to seeing both Duke and Miofsky, um kind of cause Livingston problems, hopefully, as well. See if Leighton Clarkson can follow up his fine man of the match performance from Friday mm -hmm. night again or on Tuesday. And yeah, I think we've got a lot to be encouraged going into this game. And you know, it's nice, Calm. We've also spoken about the men's team, but, you know, we should probably commend the under-18s as well, who um, beat Hamilton uh, in the under-18s league 6-0, Alfie Bavage, who just can't stop scoring, bagged himself another yeah. hat-trick. We obviously mentioned him and Liam Harvey as part of our last episode, both of them getting on this score sheet. So closing the gap on the top of the table with a game in hand. So well done to the young team and the men's team um, this weekend, getting positive results. So yeah. and, sorry, and the women's team, don't forget Apatodri winning too. Yeah, from last week, but I was obviously meaning this week, so let's well, hope maybe... I've just given them their due, all right? Yes, well, let's hope the women can back up their, their win That's as well great. then. Um, but let's hope then, Calm. you know, we've regained a bit of positivity on this show. Yeah. 
let's hope that when we convene on on Wednesday, um, we'll maybe do a live episode Wednesday night um, to to obviously look back at what happened on Tuesday night and then discuss the Saturday night football that we've got to look forward to um, with a visit of Bunge United to Tawdry. Let's hope there's more positivity to speak about because, boy, do we need it. <laughs> Absolutely. Potential mouth-watering stuff uh, talking about those two fixtures. So, yeah, if... if... I'll just feel a lot better about myself for a month as well if, if, if we're doing better. Yeah, exactly. It gives us something to look forward to. And I, I suppose as well, would really set up the double header against the old firm um, <laughs> when we come back from the World Cup as well. But um, what, what, are you going to put a score prediction on the game for Tuesday night? 2-1 Reds. No clean sheet because we can't do that. We're a bit yeah. worse away from home. So I don't think we'll be so free scoring. But... Hope I've got um, quiet optimism. What about you? Yeah, I'm the exact same. I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be a grind. Um, I will take the lead. Livingston will pin us back, and we'll see what the side's made of, uh, and we'll grab the winner in the, late in the second half to to seal back to back wins. That's what I'm going for. Very specific as well. Enjoy that. Yeah, I know. Well, I thought I'd take a leaf out of Michael's book, who likes to be very detailed in his prediction descriptions. So. That's true. But, it can be quite. Can be quite blase the prediction and then claim it as smart. Whereas if you get it very specifically correct, you could genius. Yeah. Well, let's see if I am a genius when we come back or if I just got the scoreline right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to yet another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. Let us know your thoughts ahead of Tuesday night, what your thoughts were on Friday Night Football in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to hit that like button. Follow us on social media at RTG underscore podcast on Twitter, Instagram, RTG dot podcast. Wherever you're listening, remember to hit that subscribe button as well. Until next time, thank you very much. If you want to be a loser and watch Football Manager content, then check out my channel. Thank you. Goodbye. Go, you Reds. Why was he?